Welcome to the podcast of champions. This is the Herald Express Devon Live Talker United Yellow Army podcast created weekly for you by Guy Henderson and Richard Hughes. Here you can find everything you ever wanted to know about Talker United. You can find the podcast in the Talker United section of devonlive.com or you can subscribe to us in iTunes or at Acast. Welcome to another unusual podcast. Richard and I are communicating by the miracle of laptops again because we're uh, social distancing. We've got Gary Johnson on the end of the phone for you as well. Uh, it will be nice uh, to be able to bring you a podcast where all the voices are actually in the same room again and you haven't got to concentrate and listen to them coming through a slightly crackly phone line. But do bear with us and we'll keep podcasting. This week uh, we talked to Gary about the uh, possibility of lining up the National League a bit more closely with the Football League. Interesting stuff to talk about there. And uh, in the podcast, a little bit later on, we move on to the letter C in the A to Z of Talker United. Hi, Richard. Good morning, Gary. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine, mate. Yeah, I'm good. you bored yet? Um, um, I'm coping. Yeah, coping. Um, yeah. I've put you on speaker. Okay. Yeah, I've put you on speaker just to record it for the paper, but also I'll use this for the, the podcast as well, if that's all right. I mean, okay. I don't, I don't even know if there's any stories. I mean, you know, obviously we're probably yeah. at the same place as we were last week. Yeah, we are really. Yeah. Um, there's certainly no news coming from the hierarchy, but anyway, listen, I'll answer you. you know, yeah, question. absolutely. So, um, are you talking to the players over the phone rather than you know just just via you know text and stuff? Have you had any conversations? Yeah, I've had a com- few conversations with a few of them that wanted to you know I sent them all a text saying you know if you have any worries or queries then you know don't hesitate to contact me. So um, and a couple have regarding you know like they're all a little bit worried about the bits and pieces. Of course, obviously their livelihoods for a start. Um, and as I said to them, you know, like two, three weeks ago, that we're still in the same situation where we're waiting um, for the authorities to come back to us and tell us what we can and can't do, and when we might be able to, you know, start training. But they, they won't, even the authorities won't know that yet. But there's no, it doesn't, at the moment, if they've got a plan, the authorities, they haven't come back and told the clubs yet. Right. So everybody's waiting. They made the decision on, you know, uh, the levels two and three of the non-league yeah. packing up. And I think they've, they, they're a bit upset about that. They put in a petition, I think, yeah. to the league. Um, but our, our league and the North and South, our conference North and South, are still, you know, in line, if you like, with, with whatever decisions come out with the uh, EFL and the Football League and obviously the FA. Of course, you know, we're talking about players who don't earn a King's Ransom, do they? They're not, not in the, uh, the sphere of the, the pre- Premiership and even the Championship or even the League, some of them. So it's got to be worrying times for them, really, isn't it? Because, you know, the contracts are up soon and, you know, they've got to think about their futures. I think it's every every club. You know, every club's players are in that situation. You know, I mean, uh, we, we've heard of big clubs take, you know, uh, players in the Premiership 
and championship clubs taking big uh, percentages off their wages, but they can afford to do that. Obviously, at our levels, they, they're sort of a, a little bit hand-to-mouth. They're not destitute by any stretch of the imagination. No, no. Um, but, you know, at the moment, our clubs you know, are in exactly the same situation where we haven't changed anything yet. Um, and the clubs just wait yet as far as the finances are concerned. The boys are, you know, being paid or will be paid shortly for for their their March payment at the end of the uh, at the end of the month. Is that today? Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, and then hopefully, because the National League and the FA know of the non-league situation, where a lot of players' contracts are finished at the end of April. Um, then um, you know they 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 we are hoping that they'll come back to us pretty soon. Yeah. To take away all the doubt and all the worries, and just so that we know a little bit more and what they're looking to achieve in the near future and then the long term future. I'm going to ask you a question now that you might not have the answer to, but um, off the top of your head, that is, uh, what players are on two year contracts at the moment? So who's got a year left after this? In other words. Yeah, there's there's two or three of them that have got that, um, and obviously it's, it's not right them to necessarily to mention names, right. um, although <clears throat> you know they they may or may not want me to anyway, so yeah, yeah. I don't know. But anyway, so I won't. But there, there's two or three, but that even that you know becomes a problem because people that are on contracts, you know, if this goes on for such a long time, then I'm not sure. And, and again, the authorities are not sure whether there's a furlough situation mm-hmm. and nobody knows whether the furlough situation is going to be, uh, can be used by football clubs, as in football players. So there's just so many questions that we can't answer at the minute, either me to, to the players, uh, my board of directors to me, you know, or, and we're just waiting on the decisions, the big decisions that the, the, the authorities have got to make and, and they are big because there's, there's people's livings at stake at every club, not just our club, every club are in the same uh, in the same boat. Um, you, you just used the word FOLO there, it's, it's amazing isn't it, you know, words that didn't exist to us last week yeah. suddenly become so important to people. I oh, know, exactly. Well, that's, you know, you, we, we've heard it so many times now. I had to look it up, see how it was spelled. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to uh, have to now as well. Yeah, in, uh, to say it in my little cockney way, because yeah. it might, you know, sound and, and spell differently. But, um, but uh, you know, it's it's there and, and it's something that uh, the government has put in place. But as I say, we're, we're not sure whether it can be, uh, you know... Uh, Clubs have mentioned it, but it hasn't started yet, I don't think, with the clubs, because they haven't had the full directive of, yes, you can use this furlough scheme, if that's what they want to call it. Indeed. Um, you, you did mention it slightly, the, the scrapping of the leagues underneath the National League steps uh, steps three to six, I believe. Uh, that, that's yeah. devastating for some, some managers and, 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 and almost a relief for others, isn't it? Well, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's obviously devastating for the ones that have got every chance and, you know, are well ahead of the league and should be, you know, promoted, if you like, that want to be promoted. Um, and obviously the ones in the relegation are, 
uh, or you know, places that are struggling, they're probably quite happy to get away with uh, this season. Um, did it surprise you? It did surprise me because if, and which we all hope, that the coronavirus, you know, starts dipping drastically as far as the numbers are concerned that are, that are you know, getting it um, and dying from it, then, um, you know, at that point, if the league starts again and they are, they do manage in our hope that the coronavirus goes and we can start playing football again with, with crowds, when that happens, if it happens pretty soon, then they're going to be gutted that they didn't finish their seasons or they didn't get a chance to mm. get promotion. So I don't quite know um, how, how that decision came about, but it has come about. And uh, of course, there's an inquiry on it, isn't there? The, those leagues have sent a letter to the authorities saying... I think it has to be ratified, doesn't it, as well? Yeah, that's right. So we're just, again, we're in a you know, catch-22 situation. Uh, the decisions are going to be OK for some people and not OK for others, but that's the times we're living in at, at this moment in time. It's an odd one because, obviously... Going up from the National League, you go into the Football League and maybe that's why you know, there's still decisions to be made there. But at the bottom of the National League, um, coming out of the, the, the South Divisions and the North Division, you know, how does that work if now, if, uh, you know, if no one's coming up? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know because there's a, there is that gap now between what they class as like the, you know, the, the lower levels, three to six, as you say, and then... Um, you know what happens with uh, so um, well there's no no promotion is there there's no promotion so no one can come into the conference or, or national no. league as it is now so no, they can't. <laughs> so what happens <laughs> below I mean, is, is an odd one well you take South Shields uh, you know put quite a lot of money into it they're 12 points clear or something um, you know and you've got other clubs, I think there's a stone market somewhere that has so many points ahead I think the Jersey um, team as well, yeah Yeah, that's right and it's just a killer for them of course, but um, as I say, as yet we haven't really heard the full details of why um, why they've done that and exactly how the leagues are going to you know, move on from here um, My sort of hope is that they start bringing in the National League with the Football League. Yeah. And we all come under the same uh, alignment, as it were. You know? yeah. So, And I think our league is, especially, you know, the National, the, the national League, you know, our one, league, uh, still can have two feeder leagues in the North and the South, yeah. of course. But I think now our league's professional enough uh, and strong enough to be aligned with the football league in my opinion and then that would bring everything a little bit you know closer together um, when I first went into the, the conference which is what the National League used to call, yep. be called it when I was at Yeovil it was a lot different there was a, quite a few non uh, non-professional teams it feel more, li- team. more non-league did it? The, exactly but yeah. now it's you know there's where well, you look at the clubs absolutely yeah. Chesterfield, Halifax, you know, some... It's like the old fourth that, division, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. So there's, you know, I can't see any reason why it can't be like the, uh, the third... It can still be called the National League, but it, it's got a... We, I want it to come in line with the 
rules and regulations of the football league. Okay. And then uh, the the FA then become your um, your governors, and uh, and then they do the whatever it is that they they've got to do um, with us or with the EFL or the same. Uh, we come into that category. Right. Okay, Gary, that's brilliant. Thank you very much for chatting to me. Uh, I, I had yeah. more questions in my head, but I think we'll save them for next week because uh, <laughs> yeah. we're going to run yeah, out of questions soon. Yeah. Here we go then for another socially distanced podcast with me in painting and Richard looking at the screen at me um, over somewhere over the far side of Torquay. Good, uh, good afternoon, mate. I'm, I'm sitting in Babacombe looking out at the, well, it was sunny about 10 minutes ago, but it seems to be overcast now, so uh, maybe coming your way. Oh, thank you very much. All right, thanks for that. Uh, hope you're all well. Hope all our listeners are well out there. That's the main thing at the moment. We were just saying in a conversation earlier on that it's, uh, it's the time we normally say, how are you doing, all right? And then not even wait for the answer. But uh, if, if anything, this has made us wait for people to say, yeah, actually, yes, I am okay. So... Uh, you know, hoping that we our ever, listeners are all we, well. Did we ever answer those those questions honestly anyway? No, <laughs> probably not, but it's making us think a bit, isn't it? So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, we're all good, you're all good, you'll end as well. The dog's not barking yeah, today, he's, he's, he's alright as well, is he? When Nell's now work, my wife's now working at home, so the dog's quite happy in the kitchen. Oh, that's fine, he's got somebody else's feet to chew this week. So Gary was very interesting um, when you spoke to him earlier in the week. Um, to, to be honest, things changed quite rapidly, didn't they? What What is the actual situation then with National League and National League fixtures now? Well, um, at the moment, oh God, I mean, you, you're right. It's just, just getting your head around it. It's, it is. It's such an odd conversation to have. At, at the moment, the National League is obviously suspended indefinitely uh, until such a time that football can start again and then when it starts again it will either start again to finish off this season or it will start again to start next season now this is in line with the football league yeah Um, obviously the FA and the EFL will make a decision and I think what will happen is the non-league the national league um, steps one to Two, which are the National League, uh, which uh, Torquay play in, and mm-hmm. then it's feeder leagues, uh, the National League South, which obviously we came up from last season, and the National League North. They will all, I should imagine, follow the example of what's happening in, in the, uh, the Football League. Because obviously, promotion's got to happen between the Football League and the National League. Well, yeah. um, so... And if you're a supporter of one of the teams that's either in the promotion places or even worse, in the relegation places, you still haven't got any kind of closure on this season, have you? No, and we'll go on to talk about the leagues below the the National League in a minute, but exactly. And of course, the the League 2 has been playing with one team short because Barry went out of uh, the bus at the start of the season. So they do need one team to come up, whatever happens, Um, uh, be that Barrow... Uh, who are leading the way at the moment in the suspended table, or someone else, um, whether there'll be a playoff place promotion. I mean, will they change the rules for that? No one knows. Seven teams, uh, sorry, six teams in the playoffs, of course, in the National League. So Absolutely. that affects everyone down to seventh place. Um, of course, that's still reachable for Torquay. I mean, that was yeah. being talked up all the way up until 
the, 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 the suspension of the season. Um, the two wins before the Sutton defeat got got that being really talked up. Obviously, the Sutton defeat was a bit of a blow, but it's still achievable. And then at the bottom, there are four teams go down. They split into the south and to the north. So those teams need to know what's going on. But from the north and the south, two teams come up from each division to fill those those places. The the odd thing is at the bottom of the north a national north and national south, where eight teams drop out yes. because four teams yeah. drop out from each division. The, the everything below that has been null and voided with no promotional relegation. So those teams will probably be saved. Very strange, isn't it? Very very so strange. Yeah. meetings that happened all through the week, to be honest with you, yeah. to say that they were null and voiding, statement headlines basically, they were null and voiding steps three to six. Now, Everybody got very here, confused, didn't they, because uh, they thought area. yeah, they thought that was us, wasn't it? But um, steps three to six begin below well, us, don't they? Steps, steps are non-league, levels are football. So steps begin one National League, Two National League South, three Southern League down here. Now there are other leagues of that level or step in the rest of the country, but I'll talk about what affects us down here. Southern League is step three. Southern League Division One South is step four. Um, so step five is the Western League, which Buckland, Exmouth, Tavistock, yeah. um, Plymouth Parkway all play in. Step. Five, uh, hang on. Step six, six yeah. is um, the Western League First Division, which we don't have many teams close to us, but that's mainly Bristol and Somerset. The Peninsula, Peninsula League Premier Divisions, which are um, basically Devon Wide and Cornwall Wide, two two divisions. And what's, what sort of teams um, are in that? Is that, that the Stoke Gabriel Stoke. League? Yeah, Stoke Gabriel, yeah. Newton Abbott Spurs, um, Dartmouth, um, Lovey Tracy. Um, I'm going to miss one, someone out and upset <laughs> someone, but that, that level of thing. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's 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 three to six. Everyone thought, right, okay, that's all, that's all scrapped. So everything else under un, underneath that is okay, is it? We can carry on. Um, in, in fact, I saw a, a couple of tweets from that uh, about that from a couple of teams. Um, going into their Saturday games, yeah, uh, they, they weren't going to play them, but you know, um, you know, and somewhere later on in the press release, it also says this also applies to step seven, right? So why not say step six to three to yeah. six? Why not say step three to seven? And the reason is, is because step seven weren't talked to about it. Okay, just, it was just forced on. Um, so that's the Devon League, the new Devon League, which started this season, which will never finish, and the new St Piran League in Cornwall, which would start again, started again, started for the first time this season, will never finish. Underneath that, so now we're at South Devon League level, Devon and Exeter League, Plymouth uh, uh, combination, um, the, the two in Cornwall and the North Devon League. Underneath that, so so at that level, everything has been stopped. Yeah, the season has ended. But it's up to the county FAs to decide what happens re 
promotion, relegations, um, how they work out the points. So, the, so Devon and Cornwall FA will get to decide what happens if promotions and stuff. But those those seasons have also been stopped. So far be it from everything being just stopped from three to six. Actually, everything has been just stopped entirely underneath the national league. Yeah, I mean there is a feeling. I, I made sense. Yeah. It, was a real, it was a real pain in the, pain in the butt to, to get through that, that, that FA statement and actually make sense of it, to be honest with you. Oh, but there is a feeling that they're making this up as they go along, but I don't mean that as a criticism because nothing like this has ever happened before, so they've got to make some decisions on the hoof, so to speak. It's just there are, I mean, when you climb back up the ladder a little bit and you get to National League level, there are people's livelihoods, people's jobs, families, mortgages all on the line here, aren't there? Absolutely, there are. I mean, and, and it, it does bring into context Gary's comments about he would like to see the National League, let's call it the Premier, to differentiate it from the two below it. But, uh, it's, but its official name is the National League. Mm. But the top, top echelon of the National League should come into alignment. He wants it to come into alignment with the Football League and actually become a fifth tier of the Football League. In name, maybe, that would be amazing because it would mean we're back in the league. <laughs> but if not in name, at least in kind of status and fall in line with decision-making that happens at that level yeah. uh, with the FA and the Football League. I think that makes sense because, as Gary was saying in the piece that you did with him in the paper this week, um, there are so many teams now in um, at Torquay's level who are fully professional. You know, they're teams like Wrexham, Chesterfield, Halifax, who've been league teams for a long, long time. Um, it, it makes sense to to make it another division of the league, doesn't it, in all but name? Gary says in the piece that gone, it's far far from the days when he was first at Yeovil in the, the, the Vauxhall Conference or whatever the sponsor was then. You know, the, the professional teams in that, that league were, you could count them on one hand. Yeah. Now, you know, you need four hands almost to count mm. professional teams in, in, in the national uh, premier division. So, um, yeah, things have changed big time. Having said that, how many teams are going to be professional afterwards, after all this is, this is uh, shaken up the finances? That's a good point. That's a very good point because, um, you know, there will be teams and Torquay will be among them who will be, um, well, looking over the shoulders is a strong way to put it, but it's not going to be comfortable financially for these teams, is it? staff, their training staff, their uh, people uh, on the furlough scheme, which the government has, uh, has introduced, which obviously pays 80% of the wages. Yeah. Um, now, that's happened in the Premier Division, would you believe? You know, while, while Newcastle are still paying millions of pounds a year to some players, they are, they are asking the government to, to pay 80% of Janet's wages who, who works on the, on the reception, which is amazing. But, you know, you know, what can we do? That's, that's the way the world sometimes. But, but also, Exeter have put their staff, their, their non-playing staff on, on furlough. I did that story with Matt Taylor, the manager, uh, yesterday for the Express Echo. So they've done it. Torquay haven't done it yet. Gary told me that, um, I think when we spoke, it was the last day of, uh, of March. And he, uh, he was expecting the wages to be paid as per normal, as they would every other month, uh, this month, um, no furlough scheme for Torquay yet. However, uh, I wouldn't count it out next month because once everyone starts doing it, why should you be paying 
paying yeah. out money when everyone else has got away with it. Well, that's true, and it's it's you know it's going to spread across all areas of business and commerce, isn't it? I mean, there's no money coming in. There's no there are no ground. There's no people in the ground, and no matches to play. Uh, some drastic decisions are going to have to be made, aren't they? They are, and the, the players' wages, obviously. Um, I think people are still waiting. Matt Taylor was when I spoke to him yesterday. Still waiting for the, for to see what comes out of discussions between the EFL and the Professional Footballers Association and the FA. They've all been in discussion to work out how we pay players' wages, because we're not talking about players' wages at the moment, we're just talking about staff wages, how we pay players' wages going forward. Um, And and that's another example of the National League kind of waiting to see what the Football League does. Now, whether that is something that the National League have decided to do on their own back, or whether the FA have said... um, just, just hold out and see, see what they do. Um, it just, just shows how close their ties have become between the bottom end of the football league and the top end of the national league. Yeah, yeah, true, very true. Very strange times, and um, yeah, it, it's it's very strange to see the players as well cropping up on Twitter and, and here and there. They're all scattered to the four winds. Some of them are still around. They're very pleased to see um, Sean McDonald and Kyle Cameron out helping deliver some food parcels working out in the community uh, over the last couple of days. That's a nice gesture. You know, people are stepping up to the place, aren't they? People are getting things done where it, uh, where it counts. They are. And, and, and it's, it's a very odd situation, isn't it? Some of these players will live as flatmates. Yeah. So they will now be um, locked down <laughs> with someone who yeah, they, they work with, but, you know... That would be quite strange, wouldn't it? There'll be there'll be an awful lot of FIFA getting played around the place, won't there? I was going to say. I mean, I, 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 last <laughs> night I was, I was thinking, shall I download Football Manager? I haven't done that for years, but oh, you know, you there's going to be a lot of money being made by FIFA and uh, and Football Manager. I think. I did have a, a a very successful round of Tiger Woods golf the other day on the uh, on the PlayStation, which was I'd, I'd forgotten how much I enjoyed that. Actually, I can't actually get out and play golf, but. Um, I can at least play on the PlayStation. Other platforms got, being available. I've got quite a lot of floor space in, in, in my flat, and uh, I have been thinking about getting onto Amazon and finding a cheap plastic golf golf kit and just uh, setting the house up. You could do that. You could do that. I can't even come round and play you either. But there you go. If you were looking for something, <laughs> uh, instead of instead of bunkers, I've just got Bertie though. Oh well, that's true. That's true. Listen, if I'll. Listeners are looking for some fruitful way of spending their time. There's a mighty 100-question Talker United quiz in the Herald Express this week. I'm looking at it now, and to be honest, I was I looked at it fairly blankly yesterday when I bought my paper, um, and very few pennies have dropped yet. You've set a pretty tough quiz here. Yeah, I think I've probably gauged it a bit too hard. <laughs> it's very difficult to, to know... Um, what level to gauge it at? I think, but I, I think each, there are rounds that will suit different people. Oh, I, so, for example, if if, if if you know you started watching Talkie in the fifties and sixties, well, there's a round for you. Um, if you watched them in the seventies, but <coughs> don't go nowadays, a round for you. You know, there's a round for for people who watch week in week out at the moment. There's a there are rounds for everyone. I hope now. Um, I wrote the quiz. It's very difficult to sit back then and decide how well I do on it. Do you know what I mean? Because I know the answers. It's, um, uh, 
So uh, you know, I, I just hope I just hope it's entertaining, and, and the answers will be in the in the paper next week. I haven't put the answers in this week because I thought, well, once people have decided that they can't answer certain questions off the top of their heads, they can yeah. go and have a look on the online or look look in a book or whatever and see if they can find the answers that way. Um, um, but you know, I, I hope it, it helps pass the time. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but a couple of rounds to watch out for. Dictionary Corner, which is genius. Um, the dictionary definitions of some players' uh, surnames, which had me laughing right from question 61 to question 70. And your um, end-of-season league tables. You've got five league tables from the end of unspecified seasons. And you've got to work out which season it is. From where Torquay finished, um, who was top. It's... Uh, I tell you what, that's going to last me all weekend. A fine piece of work, Mr. Hughes. Well done. Thank you. I, I, um, it's no secret that I do the Exeter paper as well. I'm thinking I might do one for them next week. But my knowledge of Exeter City is not so good, so I'm really going to have to work out a way of, of, of maybe that's about, doing that. That's about um, ten questions. I can't work out the gauge. Ten questions, yeah. We'll yeah. see. We'll see how it goes. Get hold of Daniel Clark. He's your man. He knows all well, the... Well, uh... Daniel Clark and Stuart James, I think, might get a phone call sometime this week. <laughs> so there we go. So shall we move on to the A to Z of Torquay United, which we've compiled with a great deal of help from um, our good friend Julian, by the way. Uh, we've reached letter C in the A to Z of Torquay United. I have, as you can see on the webcam here, I have the black book... The little notebook is here. The black book's back. The black book yep. is back with a few things jotted down next to C. Please do feel free to stop me and, and um, put some others in as we go. I've got a team, thanks to Julian, of players beginning with C coming up in a moment. But a few other things that occurred to me. Cheesy chips occurred to me. Thanks to Malcolm, one of our listeners as well. He can't think of another ground that he's ever been to where you can get cheesy chips. A C for catering as well. Plainmore's catering. A word for the Plainmore. fine standard of Plainmore's catering, I think. Cheesy chips, yeah. Uh, I think you probably can get cheesy chips at other grounds, but we've had them for quite a while. I've got quite a good story, Guy, which I, I, I predict might make you chuckle. <laughs> so, this is going back a little while, um, probably 20 years I was on the pot side. Um, the, the game was going on. I wanted to beat the, 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 the queue to the to the, the chip queue, so I went down, got my chips, um, which came in a cone in those days. I don't know why they came in a cone. I guess you can't put them down, but um, they came in a cone. I want so I'm wandering up the steps back into the pot side from 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 the underneath of it, and as I took a step to the top of the step, the ball hit my hand, and my <laughs> chips went everywhere. <laughs> Yep, that's it. Yeah, that's and there was a large roar from the pop side, and I just, I just went back down to the toilets and hid for ten minutes. Oh, fabulous! Listen, if that had been happening nowadays, somebody, somebody would get it on. Literally, yeah, it lit, hit my hand full on the cone, and the chips went out like a cloud. Fabulous! Was, I, I can't. I don't. I don't know who hit the ball, but uh, you know, thank you for that. When we, uh, if that had happened now, somebody would have that on um, on social media before the last chip had even hit the ground. Do you realise that? Yeah, they would, and yeah, I, I would be trending. 
when we um, when we get as far as H, remind me to tell you about a similar experience I had thanks to um, thanks to Will Hancock's at an away game. I've just oh, yeah. scribbled that in there as well. Well, I know it is, actually. Yeah. I do know this, but the, uh, the, uh, the listeners will enjoy that one too. I wonder where he is now. So, yeah, dude, catering and uh, cheesy chips. Yeah. Is he? Oh, good. I'm pleased yes, about that. Um, or is he playing for... Uh, he might have gone for Buffalo now. I'm okay. not sure. He's still around, and his brother Sam as well. Good player. I liked him. I thought, you know, it was he was one of those players that came from, you know, came from the local game, and you thought, you know, maybe he really is going to make a go of this. Played quite a lot of games for us, and I'm um, glad to hear that he's still um, still playing a game on a Saturday. He is also the only Talk United player that I can remember running around as a three or four year old. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose he would be. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Right, and in more C's. Uh, Cyril Knowles. See, should we do Cyril Knowles now? Or should we wait until we get K for Cyril Knowles? A huge figure in the I recent history. All right, we'll we'll save Cyril till we get to K. <laughs> Here's a C that um, everybody knows on a match day, but um, not many people will know the name. Children by Robert Miles. Is a match day yeah, fixture, uh, isn't it, at, um, at Playmore? It's the tune they play. Just, oh, in fact, we think we talked about this on the podcast a little while ago, or were we just chatting off yeah. air? It starts about 10 minutes before kickoff because it's, yes, it was us, wasn't it? It's the 12 inch single version. That's it, yeah. And it yeah. Leads, leads you uh, right up to the, the moment tune, the players come out. itself into, into Talkie United folklore, I guess. Absolutely. And when I was doing a radio show, I, I sort of put it out to um, one of the Talk United forums to see if anybody had any requests. And uh, about two people requested Herb Alpert and about ten people requested Robert Miles. So um, ended up playing both. That's the wrong way round for me, but never mind. Eh? There you go. So Robert Miles' Children. If you're wondering what was that tune or what is that tune that they play at Talkie, you want to download it so you can listen to it in these times of no football. It is Children by Robert Miles. It's an odd, it's an odd thing, that, that, that tune, an instrumental coming from the kind of dancey early 90s, uh, maybe even late 80s. I'm not absolutely sure. Maybe we can look that up. But it's an odd thing because it's almost kind of... It's, dance, was still, dance music was still slightly underground at the time and it was one of those kind of crossover hits mm. by being a bit commercial, if yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. So it was, you know... It was one of the first dance hits, or dance, rather than disco, is, is, is the best way to put it. I wonder if Robert Miles knows of its existence on the Talk United playlist. Having emailed Herb Alpert without success, perhaps I'll email Robert Miles and see if we get any response from him. There must be ways of contacting these people, so uh, let's have a go. Well, I don't remember Robert Miles doing anything more than that, so <laughs> right. maybe you've got more of a chance of hearing <laughs> back from him, because he might quite like Another C, celebrity fans. And um, two, yeah. of the, two of these Come begin on. with C as well. Helen Chamberlain, of course, very yeah. well-known celebrity fan of Talkie United. What I was going to say about them was that these are genuine supporters. I mean, the two that yeah. I was going to highlight, Helen Chamberlain and Peter Cook, these weren't just people yeah. who said just for effect, oh, yeah, I support Talkie United. These are people who in Helen's case, used to drive all the way down the M4 after Soccer AM to get there pretty as close to kick-off as she could. Uh, and Sometimes too slow, if I remember rightly. Yes, yeah, well, I wasn't going to say that, but... Uh, and 
any time that we played up inside the M25 up in the London area, Helen would always be there. Um, haven't seen her for a little while, really? but I'm sure she's still going to games. She she was uh, sitting in front of me in the uh, the, um, the stand uh, earlier this season. Anyway, yeah. she's, uh, she was she was there with a, with a friend. So yeah, she she was there this season. Proper supporters as well, and Peter Cook, of course, who. Um, I had a bit of a campaign a little while ago to have something up at the grounds that uh, recognised the contribution that the great comedian Peter Cook made. And Torbay Civic Society and Talk United very kindly uh, gave in to my constant pestering. So if you go into the ground at the pop side, there's a blue plaque up over the turnstiles at the pop side, which we uh, had put up there uh, about four or five years ago now, which recognises the contribution of Peter Cook. Born in the Warburys. And he would have been, we reckoned, obviously he's not around to ask anymore, but he was the chairman of the Junior Goals Supporters Club. And we reckoned that it would have been in the season when Torquay finished second in the league behind Ipswich, um, which is, I'm not going to give the year because that's one of the tables, the mystery tables in your quiz. But, But that would have been the year that Peter Cook was the chairman of the Junior Goals uh, and he did write at one point about uh, how he used to rush up from his home in the Warburys to claim his place on the rails on the halfway uh, line uh, at what is now Bristow's bench. <coughs> Do excuse me, that's just a, a bit of coffee gone down the wrong way, cough. Um, but yeah, a genuine supporter. And obviously later in life as well, kept up a, lot, a keen interest in the goals. And there is the famous story of when uh, James Goldsmith was doing his very best to bankrupt Private Eye uh, magazine with one of his many uh, libel cases against Private Eye. There was a press conference when it looked as if they were going to have to fold Private Eye up and journalists all gathered to quiz Peter Cook and the team about what was going to happen to Private Eye. And he appeared behind the table wearing a massive Torquay United rosette. And the first question that he wanted to answer uh, was how Torquay were going to get on in their game at wherever they were playing the next day. So, uh, yeah, he carried Torquay United all the way through his life. And it's it's good that the blue plaque is there. Um, I made a bit of a nuisance of myself with the Civic Society and Torquay United, but I'm happy that we got there in the end. It's quite quite funny that right at the start of you talking about uh, Peter Cook there, you used the term born in the Warburys. Yeah. Now I can hear him in my head say that. <laughs> Yeah, born in the Warburys. You see that that was Springsteen saying it as well, isn't it? But uh, <laughs> there you go. There's there, are, there are a few more uh, celebrity fans. Charlie Baker is a comedian who uh, is a talkie fan. Um, Makes a podcast as well, and not a bad no, one either. No, no. So he he's a talkie fan. Um, who else is there? I I once sat in front of some of the Bucks Fizz and some of the Nolans. Did that, you? That, okay. Do you remember Brian Wilson? I think he was married or... He was. He was. So, yeah. yeah. So, so for a short while, Bucks Fizz and the Nolans were both massive Torquay fans. Oh, well, um, I, didn't, I never knew that. Uh, who else is there? There's got to be a few more. I can't remember them offhand, but I'm, I'm sure there are. Um, that one will pop into my head as soon as we, we, we stop this Bounty. conversation, I suspect. But, we do uh, love a celebrity uh, endorsement. I, I I, uh, I used to sit when I used to work at the Guardian. Uh, also, I don't normally mention the bar that I have now. So I, when I used to work at the Guardian, I used to sit opposite Josh Widdicombe, who is a massive oh. Tuatha Gaul fan. Oh, of course, yes, yeah, yeah. He's um, he made a very nice little um, video 
a little while ago, uh, I can't remember who it was for now, it was for one of the league's sponsors, but he went behind the scenes at Argyle on a match day, and it was really very nicely done. If you can find that anywhere on social media, it's worth a look. Really nice, really nice fellow. I worked with him for about two years before he, he won the Mercury uh, Comedy Prize and, and left. Yeah. And, uh, within about a year, he was everywhere. I'm very happy to hear that he's a nice fellow, though. You always get yeah, you know, these yeah, stories yeah, about yeah. celebrities being a pain in the neck, and you, it's yeah. good to hear of one who's a good guy. Yep, no, um, so the talky celebrity fan said that there must be more. I will be told there are more, so yeah. Let us Thinking make... caps on, I guess. If you're a celebrity fan who happens to be listening to the podcast, drop us yeah, a line. We've you. We're How sorry. about that? If, yeah, indeed. Yeah. And of course, the C in the A to Z of Talking United that we're not going to spend a great deal of time on, uh, and it's only just written itself in, is coronavirus or COVID-19. Indeed, it's going to be very odd looking back on it. It is. Um, very peculiar you know, we're indeed. We're in it now and it's, it's, you know, it's testing all of us. Uh, but once we're out of it and out the other side, it's going to be odd looking back. And it is. Do you remember when? When everything just ground to a halt. Yeah. Uh, Quite a long time. Okay, let's move on to the uh, the team of C's. Then thank you once again uh, to Julian for coming up with these. He's kept. He's got some um, some current players in there as well, just to keep it up to date. Uh, and the goalkeeper, uh, Lucas Kovalan, is his goalkeeper. Okay. Current keeper. Um, he. Do you know? I can't remember whether it was him or Sean Mack who played in the last couple of games. Um, but they they they're equal number no, ones. No, of course he had. Yes, of course he had. Yeah, he, he picked up an injury and Sean McDonald had come in and done very well. They've been interchangeable, really, uh, recently. And I think that you know, one is yet to prove he's better than the other, yeah. I think. But Kovalan, I think, was kind of in Gary's thinking number one and McDonald number two. Interesting, you know, Brazilian goalkeeper. What more can you say? Absolutely. A very interesting story behind him as well. Again, he made a video with Vanarama, which you can find on social media, which was extremely well done. A very interesting backstory, you know, left home, uh, played in Brazil, left Brazil to come and play in Spain. It's been a very strange career path that's brought him to Torquay United. But he is he is a thoroughly nice guy. He's immense as well, isn't he? Have you stood next to him? He's absolutely massive. When you stand next to him, he's tall and he's as wide as a large piece of furniture. He's he's a, a big lad. How how tall are you, guy? I'm five foot ten. Yeah, I'm five foot five. So he um, he towers over me. <laughs> <laughs> he towers over both of us. But yeah, very very good goalkeeper. Um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to seeing him play again. Obviously, uh, into the back Danny, four. Danny Stevens is the only player that's. That I've been able to talk to you on a, on a, on a good level. <laughs> I can imagine that, actually. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine you and Danny. There you go. Yeah. Uh, right back is Lee Canaville. You remember Lee Canaville? Oh, Lee Canaville. Lee Canaville. Uh, came, came to Torquay under Roy McFarlane at the same time as another player from uh, another ex Arsenal player called Greg, Greg Lincoln. Um, That's true. That is absolutely true. I'd forgotten Greg Lincoln completely. Yeah, they both came on trial. I don't know if Greg Lincoln actually played a game, but they both came on trial. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a lot of trialists at that season. Um, you know, Mr. Bateson didn't didn't hold back the purse strings for, for Roy McFarland. Um, uh, there must have been 
30 odd trialists that season. Really? Who came yeah. in, maybe played a couple of games, left again. Was well, this building the squad that would eventually turn into the squad that won promotion under yeah. under Leroy Senior. Was um, this at the time you a, were working at Playmore? Um, no, it was just before. Yeah, okay. Um, in actual fact, I, I, I was given the job full time because uh, I, I, after a, a late night drinking session with Roy McFarland and Mike Bateson, okay. Roy just made it to take me on full time rather than just give me expenses. <laughs> hey, you name dropper, you. <laughs> So, yes, yeah, so Lee Canneville scored two goals for us in 112 games. He played for the England under-16s. This will be a recurring theme as we go through this team, by the way. Uh, he did. And I thought he was a, a really good player. Um, interestingly, I, I, I can't remember where he went after us. Boston. I lost. He went to where, sorry? Boston. Boston. OK, well, that, this makes sense now, then. So he went up to that kind of area of the country because I last saw him when I was working for a paper called the Hunts Post in Huntingdon, yeah. and he played for a team in the in what would have been the uh, Eastern Counties League, um, who were playing against Huntingdon, and I saw him that day. There you go. That was only six, seven years ago. Small world. Well, again, let's hope he's still playing. Always good to uh, hear of a player who's still going. Alongside him, then, is another former England under-16 international, a member of the current squad, who's, who's made a controversial change in nationality, who I didn't realise this until I looked him up, Kyle Cameron, yeah. who we've just mentioned, what, what, Kyle Cameron. When he played, he, he was at Newcastle United from when he was nine years old. This is all according right. to Wikipedia, mind you, so he might have put this in himself just, just for devilment. That Wikipedia was not to be touched or referenced, but nowadays, actually, it's it's you know, if you use your common sense, it's a really good source of information. It is. I usually put in the rider that it it does come from Wikipedia, so it may we may need yeah. to check this with Kyle at some point. But he played for England at under sixteen level, but then switched, and according to his entry there, he's played for Scotland at under seventeen, under nineteen, and under twenty one level. We need to ask him about. I this, did right? not know that. I did not. I confess, I didn't know that. But do you well, know where he was born? Pardon? Do you know where he was born? Am I putting you on the spot? You are, but he's no. he's a Geordie lad. He's one of the likely lads, isn't he? Him and yeah. um, Sean McDonald are um, a Bob and Terry from the likely lads. <laughs> I'd love to see them dressed up as Bob and Terry. <laughs> well, that would be a picture. I did kind of have this conversation earlier in the season, but we we decided that nobody younger than us would remember what the likely lads look like anyway so uh... but that, that makes it even better when they don't know what they're doing <laughs> and uh, alongside him as well of course member of the current squad Robbie Cundy is in there the man that Gary Johnson has described as a colossus this season yeah uh, I he's... think he's been well this season you know um, and we, we all know that there was a really poor run and a major factor of that was, was injuries and unavailability but um, when you look at the players we've got this season mm. you know we, we, if the season finishes we should be in with a shout of, of getting at least close to the playoffs and then if we can keep these players and build some confidence in them and you know work on them yeah wow you know good side and um, Robbie started with the Aston Villa youth setup, which will be another yeah. recurring theme today as well yeah. as I discovered okay. in my extensive researches in the 20 minutes or so before I phoned you 
Um, left back, Scott Colcom. Scott yep. Colcom, who was here from 91 to 95. Uh, scored one goal in 89 games. He could play at midfield or he played at left back um, yeah, quite a yeah. lot. Good. I seem to remember quite a stylish player. Good player, Scott Colcombe. Um, I, I, I remember the name. I remember seeing him play. I don't really remember him being around that long, to be honest. No, he, I think he had some a few injuries during the spell he was here, but good player. And then he went to Doncaster at the same time as Dwayne Darby and Darren Moore. Now, Dwayne Darby will come up next week, obviously, in the D's. Um, but the Doncaster connection was pretty strong back then as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Darren Moore, of course, will return to later in the A to Z, an absolute yeah. Playmore legend. Uh, midfield, the uh, on the right wing, a fellow by the name of Peter Coffell. Peter Coffell, who joined Torquay from Watford in 1977 for £4,000. Wow. Played 122 games, scored 11 goals. Yep. He was player of the season in 1981. And then we sold him to Northampton for £5,000. So not only, not only did we get a player of the season, 122 games, 11 goals, we made 1000 quid on him as well. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong whatsoever. He, um, he's 63 now, and according to his Wikipedia entry, he has played for the England veterans team. So doing okay. And, um, you know, a player, it's, we know people have been over on the pop side for many, many years who rate Peter Koffel very, very highly. So uh, he's worth his place. Interesting character next to him in the midfield, Lou Chatterley. Lou Chatterley, who signed from Southampton. He played more than 150 games for Aston Villa. The Villa connection continues. He was at Torquay from 75 to 77 as player coach. Uh, but he's, he's better known... Um, for his managerial career. He was uh, Laurie McMenemy's right-hand man at Southampton and he managed them for a while as well. He so, was a trainer at Torquay, wasn't he, as well? So um, he obviously went on to have a managerial career after taking his first steps, really, at Torquay. I think he, I think he might have been a um, caretaker manager as well at Torquay, um, in between which managers I can't remember, but I'm sure that's the case. He might have been after Malcolm Musgrove in that case, it would have been round about then. But uh, yeah, so we kind of got him at the end of his playing career and the start of his managerial career. So interesting character there. Next to him is a bloke called Roy Carter, a Cornishman who played for Torquay in 1983, brackets, when we were terrible. That was around about that time when things just weren't going very well in 83, wasn't it? That's you had your absence for work. This was during my absence, trying to carve out a, a career in the South Devon League, which never went very well. But I missed a couple of seasons at Playmore when I was trying to play a bit of football very, very badly. Uh, Roy Carter, 21 games, three goals. He also played for Hereford, Swindon, Newport and Exeter. But uh, yeah, Cornishman who played there. Someone, someone I don't remember, although I would have been watching at the time. I would have been quite young. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at his, his, his stats now in the... Uh, oh, you've got the big book. I've got the big book, the Lee Edwards book. Uh, it's been on my desk all weekend for obvious reasons. Yeah, of course. Uh, and the next man has a, a special place in podcast history, Courtney Cameron, who joined... He played for Aston Villa as well. He joined under Alan Nill in 2013, played 51 games, scored three goals, but he was the subject of the first ever Yellow Army podcast back in the summer of 2013 because we really? because we decided he had a very extravagant haircut if i remember 
a sort yeah. of a, a purple pinkish Mohican thing going on. And we decided that with a haircut like that, he'd have to be a hell of a player to carry that off. Now, whether he was or not, I'll leave you to decide. But, um, you know, it was, yeah, a... was kind of threatened to be really good. But, didn't, yeah. you know, I don't want to be horrible to the bloke, but he didn't quite get there. Um, but, he, but he did put himself about. Yeah, he did. And he, he did work hard. Busy, a busy, busy player. The two strikers that we've got are both absolute legends at uh, play more. One has played rather more often than the other. Uh, the first one is Steve Cooper. 234 yes. games Coop's played. 76 goals, which isn't a bad return at all. He was at Torquay from 1977 to 1984. We signed him from Stourbridge Swifts. And he didn't go on to another league club afterwards. So his league career was spent at Playmore. I hadn't realised that. Did he? I don't think he did. Didn't he have a spell at Chesterfield and then come back? I don't know. Uh, we, need, we, we need Dave Thomas. We do, um, if, if only. If, yeah. <laughs> um, let me just use the book here. Phil, guy. Phil. Have a look. Oh, okay, right. I'll, um, I'll ramble on then. Well, Steve Cooper is quite rightly a legend at Playmore, isn't he? Because of all the players that you'd want to get on the end of a cross... Steve Cooper was the one. I mean, Dave has a, a lot of stories about Coops because Dave would have known Steve Cooper very, very well. But we were discussing a while ago the, the, the joy when you've got a striker who will get across a defender at the near post, get to the ball first, throw himself in and score a spectacular goal. And every time you think of that in your head, it's a mental image of Steve Cooper that comes up. You know, that's... Of him uh, of being going away and coming back, so I'm probably wrong. But I did meet Steve, Co Steve Cooper um, around 2003, 2004. Uh, we did a magazine for the, the football club, and me and my friend John Arusi went to his pub in Cliss St Mary. Yeah. And, uh, and do you remember Marcus? Who, Marcus uh, Davis, who was a photographer. Yes. Who did yeah. lovely my images of of, Wem uh, of uh, Southend and did it. Did a year uh, with the club for centenary pictures. The fabulous pictures a, as well. Yeah, yeah, a lovely picture of me and John and Steve Cooper chewing the fat, black and white picture in uh, in his pub in uh, Cliff St Mary. I'm not sure if it's still there, but it was it was a nice way to spend the afternoon. I'll bet, I'll bet. And alongside him, then is a player who uh, will be just as popular, uh, Dave Caldwell. Dave. DC. Caldwell, he had to be in there. I almost, almost created a, a, a special section in this A to Z for Dave Caldwell. Uh, I haven't. Really, he only played forty-one games for us. He had two spells with us. He was here eighty-seven, eighty-eight, um, and he came back again after a, a brief spell in Belgium, if I remember rightly. And there are some great pictures of our friend Dave meeting him at Newton Abbott Station, along with some um, Torquay United fans who were so pleased to see him come back for a second spell that they went to Newton Abbott Station to meet him. It's a bit like the Beatles landing at JFK, um, but with better haircuts, obviously, because you're looking at the late 80s. Uh, great pictures. I'll try and find one of those. Partial to a sending off, Dave Caldwell. Partial to a sending off. In his first season with us, he was sent off three times. Yeah. But in his debut... He scored an overhead kick, a bicycle kick, magnificent finish against Hereford in front of the old mini stand, which wasn't there then. Obviously, it was the family stand. But um, in my memory, that's every bit as good a bicycle kick as Gareth Bale in the European Cup final. 
but it's just what a way to arrive at your new club to score with an overhead kick in front of the fans instant instant hero and of course David's quite active on social media as well isn't he still he is still isn't he keeps an eye on what, what he's doing. I'll tag him in this to be honest and there is a great a great story that um, that our, our colleague Dave does tell that uh, I hope it's true. Do you remember the the playoff game against Scunthorpe at the end of that first okay. season? Yes. Which was yeah. it was like watch, when you watch the footage of the Leeds Chelsea Cup final on TV, you can't believe how violent that game was. And in my memory, again, that Scunthorpe game was just a battle on a really muddy pitch. And the story goes that uh, in the Accident and Emergency Department at Torbay Hospital afterwards, uh, they took Dave Caldwell up there just to check over some injury that he'd sustained during the course of the game. In fact, if memory serves me right, was he carried off in that game? I think he was. Uh, But he found himself sitting in the next bay to one of the Scunthorpe players who he'd put there. So I think the conversation was quite lively. But uh, that may be an apocryphal story, but I hope it's true because it kind of sums up the sort of player he was. What a player, though. Ten goals in 41 games for Torquay. Yeah, great player. Um, I've just written down a couple of... Have we finished on the... We've finished on the players. We've just got the management to deal with. Okay. I've just written down a couple of players that I spotted while I was looking through the info for Steve Steve Cooper that maybe maybe are worth an aside mention. Chris Curran. Chris Curran played for all three Devon clubs. One of the few players to do that. Ralph Calland. Ralph Calland, yes, of course, local man through and through. Close to getting a, a place in the team. And, of course, Paul Compton. Paul Compton, well, he's in the management team. Ah. Julian has put him alongside Keith Curl in the dugout. Okay. Well, that's the other one I'd written down, so there we go. <laughs> you can't second-guess Julian, you know, he's got all these. Keith Curl um, played for Torquay, played 16 games for Torquay in the early to mid-80s brackets when we were rubbish um, but, uh, but also managed the team in February of 2007 just before Leroy Rossini it was a fairly volatile period for the club then wasn't it it was you know we were Leroy Rossini came back but didn't actually take charge of a game that's the one the, the 20 minute yeah. management thing well which... I was there and uh, this, this whole Leroy Rossini was in charge for 20 minutes isn't really true, but it is a good story, isn't it? Well, should we come to that when we get to the R's? When we get to R, yeah. you, you can tell the true, for the first time, the true story of Leroy Rossini's 20 minutes. Quite a long way, though. <laughs> get to the R's. You'll have, well, you'll have to write it down. It'll give somebody, people something to look forward to. We'll probably still be in lockdown by then, so you never know. Well, but yeah, Keith Curl and Paul Compton are in the dugout. Comps who uh, played, of course, 116 games for Torquay. So yeah, two um, two spells at Torquay, I think he had. Yeah, decent player. Um, still around today. Quite often was on the phone to David in the office. Um, Comps likes to keep in touch with what's going on. Um, as a youth team coach, of course, he was probably a bit old school, but... Um, people like Mark Forrester, who set up that um, uh, youth, old youth team against old pros game for him. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they respected him and, you know, he got, got results, I think. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And manager from 92 to 93. Manager's fairly yeah. short spell in management at Torquay, but nonetheless added his name to the uh, to the honours board of managers at Playmore. 
Well, that brings us to the end of the team of C's. And I think that probably brings us to the end of this week's podcast. I think we're pretty close to the hour this week. But then again, you've, you people out there have got nothing else to do, have you? Apart from listen to two old geezers ramble on about Talker United. I've just spent um, uh, about two hours cleaning the fish tank, guys. So I'm quite happy to... Uh to sit down and talk to you for an hour after It's a that. terrible job, that, isn't it? Now, I, I, we used to have a, a, a small fish tank here, and that was bad enough, but yours is um, yours is almost shark size, isn't it? Um, it's, it? I couldn't keep a shark in it, but I could keep a, a, probably a bass or something. Okay, well, well cleaned. So, uh, again, hopefully you're all well. Stay well for another week. We will be back. We'll keep the podcast going. We've rambled on, and we only got to see in the alphabet so far so there's uh, there's plenty more of this to come don't forget the true story of Leroy Rossini in a few weeks time when we get to the R's a few weeks are, R's are quite a long way away but n- never mind we'll get there um, and hopefully when we're there we'll all be running around outside and back to normal life wouldn't that be great and uh, we finish as always come on you yellows You've been listening to the Herald Express, Devon Live, Talker United Yellow Army podcast, recorded weekly by David Thomas and Guy Henderson. You can find this podcast by clicking devonlive.com or by following us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash DL, or on Twitter at TQHE Sport. You can also subscribe on iTunes, search for Talker United on the iTunes app. Please leave us a review wherever you can. We welcome all feedback. Thank you very much for listening. Join us again next week.